Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Well-Fed Business Podcast with myself, Connor Benham. No, it's with me, not myself. I've, yeah, we've done this. We have this every time. Today we're talking about confessions of an elite copywriter, because you may, may not believe it, but there is a great amongst us. John, the evil genius, has been a very, very good copywriter for many names in the industry that you'd recognize. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity for us to get a sneak peek into a, what's the fundamentals of good copy. How can uh, people even begin to <laughs> write some half-decent copy? We've got to be very clear first about what we mean by copywriting. Now, the best description I've ever heard about it is salesmanship in print. And I say that, and I think it's probably even more important these days, because there are a lot of people on LinkedIn, which is where you find these people, on the freelance platforms like Upwork and Fiverr and Freelancer.com as well. There are a lot of people who are self-identifying as copywriters when they're nothing of the sort. If you're looking for a copywriter, the thing to do is look at their profiles. And if their profiles and their websites are particularly the About Me page, if it's all about their passion and how they love writing and how they did English literature at school and university, and they're passionate about writing and they love the words. And especially when they start getting fucking flowery, it's almost like they're writing poetry. I'd go elsewhere because they really don't know what they're doing. In terms of how to learn to write great copy, the first thing is, I'd say this is probably the most important, especially if you're writing for yourself as well. And that is to write pretty much as you speak. That's probably the most important lesson you can learn first off. Because... One of the worst things you can do is to try to write as if you were someone else. Now, a skilled copywriter can get into someone else's voice, as it's called. I'm very good at this. As long as that person's voice is similar enough to my own to make it easy, I'm not into hard work. And I'm one of the very comparatively few men who can actually write for women and as a woman as well. That is a real learned skill, which I'm not even going to try to get into at the moment. So that's the first thing. Write how you speak. We learn at a very young age the innate skills to have a conversation in which we are persuasive. How persuasive are toddlers? They just keep on and on and on. They ask for what they want. Can I have a sweetie? Can I have a sweetie? Can I have a sweetie? They are consummate marketers and salespeople because they just don't stop. And it's, it flows more naturally as well. So that's the first thing. Just write as you speak. And I think the tone you should be taking is write as if you are talking to, say, a a favoured aunt or uncle across the table in, in Starbucks or in the pub. So it's informal but reasonably polite and you probably want to watch your P's and Q's somewhat. I don't, I swear a lot, but that, that's saying that's strategic. I do that for a reason. I don't just do it because I can't stop myself or for effect. I do it because I do swear a lot all the time. And I don't want people turning up for an event in Ireland and being put off because all of a sudden I'm swearing. They, they need to know this early on. That's the, so that's the first thing, right as you speak. And now, funnily enough, people say, can you recommend any books or programs? And the answer is, it's a little bit, it would be a little bit like learning karate or martial arts from reading books and watching videos. You could learn the moves, okay, but it's one thing to throw a my Gary and say, yeah, I've got the form down perfect. And it's another one to do it against a human being or a, even a punchback and actually have some resistance when you fucking twist your hip into it. You can't learn copy by studying books. What you do is you study books and programs and then you write copy and it's really shit. And the only way you know it's shit is by putting it out into the market and getting shit results. I can't remember if it was you or someone else 
but someone said the reason copywriting is so scary and so few are brave enough to try and become good at it is because it's one of the few skills you have to do it in public. Like there's absolutely no good writing in private where most things you can do behind closed doors, get good and then announce yourself to the universe. Absolutely. And of course, the market is unforgiving. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to put a sales letter out there and you're going to get loads of people saying how shit it is. Some people might do. But most people, it's even worse than that because they just ignore you. They just (laughs) bounce off the page. And that can be crushing. I know it can. It doesn't bother me because I'm aware it's, it's not a personal thing. They don't know me from Adam. It's just that I've either got the market wrong or my sales letters wrong or just the match of the two is wrong. When you first start doing it, it's, it can be crushing to, to sweat and labour over this sales letter and getting no response. And another thing to remember as well, we will get, I'll give some tips in a minute, but I want to talk about some generalities. You need to manage your expectations about it. If you follow copywriters on LinkedIn, there's various different types. There's the type that just likes to post great tips for brilliant headlines and bless them. They're not wrong, but they're very wide of the mark. It's a little bit like the analogy to the Gary Halbert thing. If it gets some great questions like what website provider should I use and should I use WordPress or Joomla or should I, what, what credit card company should I use? Well, yeah, they're good questions and they need to be answered. But the most important thing is a 99 out of 100 of success is selling something. But with copywriting, it's a bit like that. The tactics, the little details of headlines, and they're important, but the there's more important things to, to master first, like understanding what you're actually doing, understanding the structure of a sales letter and why it's there. A big mistake most people will make when writing sales copy is they won't put a call to action in there. Remember in the core control group, we had someone who asked for a review and I said, it's, this is great, except you're missing one great big thing here. You don't have a call to action on this. I mean, a piece of sales copy without a call to action isn't a piece of sales copy. There are 12 essential or 12 massively important elements in sales copy and seven of them are absolutely mandatory. And one of those is the call to action because it, and a deadline. If, because if you don't have a call to action at a time by which you should take action, it's not a sales piece. So you need to learn structure. If people want to read a book on sales copy, read the Robert Collier letter book. It hails from the 1940s. It's just brilliant and it's written in a way because it's not written as a copywriting book. It's more of a case study of all the work he used to do. Those are the important basics. Read that book, the Robert Collier letter book. Write as you speak. Practice. Put it out there for public critique. And also, don't listen to most of the people on LinkedIn giving you advice because they don't know what they're talking about, a lot of them. Can I add one? And I know I'm not the yeah. elite copywriter, but I am someone who's learning copy. This is a fundamental business thing anyway. When you're starting out to write copy, Keep in mind you're writing to make sales because if you are writing in public and you're posting on social media platforms, writing for sales will get you fewer likes, far less engagement. All of a sudden, if you start paying attention to the the engagement, you will no longer be writing to make sales. You'll be writing for engagement and there is no use for a small business owner to be writing for engagement. You are someone who lives and dies by the sales you make. So write to make some fucking sales and don't, don't do anything other than write for sales. Everyone knows, I'm sure, attention, interest, desire, and action. So that's your structure. 
So you start with a headline. Sometimes if you're writing, say, a Google ad, your headline is pretty much the whole thing. So headlines are important, but you need to understand why it's important and what you're doing rather than just learning to write great headlines. I've seen this done by so-called copywriters. It's like, sex, now I've got your attention. That's a really bad idea. It just pisses people off because what you're doing with a headline is you're making an implicit or an explicit promise. There's value in reading what comes next. If you just write sex and people go, oh great, something about sex here. Now I've got your attention. Bait and switch, fuck off. It's dishonest. So headline, attention. And then, because the purpose of the headline is to get you to read the second line, that's all. To stop and get you to read the first line of copy. Purpose of the first line of copy is to get you interested enough to read the second line, second line, the third line, and so on, until you're on what, called, what Joe Sugarman called the slippery slope to the sale. So that's attention and interest. And desire, you're building that through by gaining their interest, highlighting their problem, which you probably highlighted in the, uh, either in the headline or early in the copy. You're getting them the desire to solve that pain because you're telling them, I've got a solution, and you're building desire for them to get that solution. And of course, the last thing is action. Here's how you get it. So it's very simple. Here's your pain. Here's why it's a pain. I have a solution. If you want the solution, get in touch with me. Attention, interest, desire, and action. You can and should be doing this in your social media posts. Your engagement will go down. Your sales will go up. Hey, one of my guys, he lost 90% of his engagement, but his income doubled. Now, if you prefer engagement over income, have at it. Otherwise, take my advice. That's the structure, that's how it should read from top to bottom. And if you're say a dentist or a fit pro or plumber, any kind of construction business in a local area, you're not competing with anyone of any note really, not in terms of marketing and sales copy. Within that copy, you need to address four concepts. The first is you need to have in mind their pain and their problem. What is it that's hurting them? And unlike say a novel or a film, a Hollywood film, where you're building up to a crescendo at the end, with your very first few lines of copy need to be the biggest pain they've got. Because you, you've got them on your page and you want to keep them hooked there. So the most painful thing about what you're selling or what, you're, what problem they're facing and you're, what you're selling fixes needs to be right at the beginning. Okay, it's completely antithetical to the way you would probably normally write fiction. We're not building up to a fucking climax. We have the climax at the first. This is premature ejaculation territory, all right? And then you need to have the proposition what am I going to do about it for you? you know, you've got this pain, here's what I can do. Well, you don't want to be telling them about the solution because for all kinds of reasons, that just invites argument and criticism. But you tell them, I can solve your problem, I have the solution. And the way to, to garner the trust to do that is write your sales copy about the proposition in such a way it shows you understand the problem. Not that you know what it is, but you understand the pain. If you've shared it at some point, even better. So the pain and the proposition you've got. And then the promise. So here's what you're going to do, and here's what you'll get at the end of it. Cessation of the pain. It's just reverse it almost. Then, of course, the social proof, the reason for them to believe you. Testimonials are great, but what if you haven't got any? It doesn't really matter. If you can show them you understand the problem, they'll take that as being proof enough as it is. I mean, the place to start, I reckon, is to start with your social media posts, because you'll get almost instant feedback. Within 24 hours, you'll get feedback. Now, please, 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 don't measure your success as being likes, shares, comments, and views. Count success as being how many inquiries are you getting over time. So if one post bombs, it doesn't matter. It's like buses. There's always another one coming along. If you can take one thing from John, and this is coming from someone who is still at the beginning of learning copywriting, I have some advantages that the typical business owner wouldn't have. 
but simply committing to writing in the ADA structure, attention, interest, desire and action, will change your posts overnight anyway. Because now all of a sudden, it's not one big blank page that you're shitting yourself to fill with nonsense. You've got four little segments to fill that gives it structure and flow. What people also would do well to understand if they're struggling with this is in the work we do, core control is a good example. We're now on week five and we've just started, I've just started teaching them how to deal with an inquiry. So they've spent a whole month doing the most laborious, boring, fucking dull as dishwater exercises. They all probably hate um, and can't see why they're relevant. But they're relevant because they will actually help with that ADA structure. When it comes to the writing, the emails they're going to be sending, the promotional pieces they're going to be sending, all the work they've done will help them with the attention, interest, desire, and action stuff because they'll know whom they're selling to, why they're selling to them, and what they're delivering at the end of it. You need all of that. Otherwise, you can't write anything. Interestingly enough, one of my mentoring clients, she was struggling the other day, saying, I've just don't know what to say to people. I get them on the phone for these, these consulting calls they're paying for, but I don't know what to say to them because I'm geared up to work as a marketing consultant, but I don't want to do that. I want to work as a mentor. And I don't know what to say. Now, you might think well, that's not copywriting. Well, it is. It's salesmanship. Or in her case, saleswomanship. And copywriting is just what she's doing on the phone, but in print. Now, the problem she's having, and I told her this, and I sent her away with a flea in her ear to do this exercise over the weekend, is she didn't know what she was selling. If she doesn't know what she's selling, she doesn't know whom she's selling it to particularly, or how to talk about it, or how to guide people through the sale. It's the same with your copywriting. If you don't know exactly what you're selling, what your offer is, how do you write a sales letter? It's like saying, let's go on holiday, get in the car and start driving and think, I don't know, but where are we going? Don't know. You can take any road, can't you? And still end up nowhere. When you're writing your sales copy, okay, don't do what most amateurs do and start and see where it takes you and have some vague sale in mind. Yeah? You need to have a firm and crystal clear offer first. So sometimes you write your offer and you guarantee first. And then you start at the beginning because you know what you're aiming for. Oh, fucking hell, John, this is a bit more complicated than I thought it was. Yeah, to become skilled at this, if you want to become a proper direct response copywriter for hire, you're talking of probably two or three years before you're competent to call yourself such, in my opinion. It staggers me that people are so lazy and uninformed about this. They're doing themselves and their clients a disservice. People have said, I did some content for someone and I figured I enjoyed it. So I decided to tweak it a little bit and become a sales copywriter. That's, I don't know, saying you've been teaching Pilates for a while, fancy doing a bit of brain surgery. I'm kind of a medical professional. I give it a go, you know. It's not a trivial thing. And I think one of the problems we have with it, why this happens is, with rare exception, everybody leaves school able to write. We can all put pen to paper. They think, well, I can write, I can write a decent, I can write a decent letter. It's not the same thing. The sales that is completely different to writing a compelling blog post, which is also SEO optimized. It's totally different, but they superficially appear the same. I get that, I really do. A little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, eh? And another thing, if you listen to copywriters, they are so fucking blown up with their own self-importance. Why is that? It's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a self-selecting audience. 
people who are really susceptible to being persuaded by copy tend to believe copy can be really persuasive. It can be to a certain kind of person. But think of it this way. I mean, we know this because we've done it and I've been doing this for fucking decades. If you send a cold direct mail to a fairly well-chosen audience, so it's not your house list, but maybe you go and buy some data and you do your selects okay. So it's a good quality list. You send a direct mail. 1% is about what you would expect in conversions. That's a good conversion rate. Obviously, you need to make sure your numbers work, but that's not unusual. That's about right. If you were getting 3%, you've hit the mother load. 5%, fucking hell, you are really caning it. 10%, I very much doubt it's ever been done. 10% to a cold list by direct mail would be fucking phenomenal. It would be like BBC headlines. Well, it probably wouldn't, but it should be. But think on this, your average, your expected response, and I'd be happy with it, at 1% to a cold list, means that 99 out of every 100 people is ignoring me. If you're a copywriter listening to this and you think you can write persuasive copy and fucking Jedi mind control people, you're fucking deluding yourself, man. You're kidding yourself. You're lying to yourself. And if you repeat it to others, you're lying to them. Because 99 out of 100 people will ignore everything you've got to say. That's not very compelling, is it? It only works because we can send letters to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Or we can sell to a small number of people at a very high price. Either way works. But that's the reality of it. Email. 10% is about right for, say, uh, uh, an offer. These are people who know me. Some of them have bought everything. Still only fucking 90% of people are still ignoring me. I've got a particular bee in my bonnet about offline marketing. And again, for people who are watching and listening to this who don't know us too well, we are heavily invested in time and energy in developing offline marketing systems because... Offline still works. You will hear from loads of, from all corners of the earth, say direct mail, print advertising, leaflets don't work anymore. It's just not true. I'm not even going to go into it. It's just not true. If anything, now is probably a better time to do this than any other, simply because nobody else is doing it. As we said on other podcasts, and I want to repeat this because it's so important, anything which is not based on the internet or directly involving the internet, or especially social media, isn't just deemed as not working anymore. It's invisible. It's like servants in, a, in, a, in Buckingham Palace. They're invisible. In our world, direct mail, anything that's not involved directly with probably social media, so TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, like the big four probably, anything that's not somehow linked in with those four things, it's invisible. Sounds like a good idea, but... We're getting off topic from copywriting here, but it's important. It's all related because copywriting isn't the be-all and end-all. It's a mechanism. Here's the thing. Imagine, right? I know this works because I've got clients doing it. You get a letter through the post. Maybe you're sending, selling something high-end. Right? And by high-end, I'm talking to probably 5K and up. Imagine you've done your research and you've targeted someone and you can say, I've noticed these five things about your website, sales copy fucking walking down the street, you're a fat bastard, something like that, I don't know. But if you've studied and you write a letter that's personalized to them and they get it through the post, well, when someone's reading a letter, the chances are they're not going to get a notification pop up on the paper. Not like online, reading an email, notification, notification, notification. You've got a, a captive audience. Some people don't get handwritten letters anymore. So if you get a, a, an envelope through the post with a handwritten address on it, you're going to open it. You're probably going to do that before you do anything else because, oh, this is unusual. I know someone, her name was Colleen, Colleen Bishop. She 
hand wrote a mail shot. It was in the States. I don't know how many she did. It made her a million dollars in revenue. And most of that would have been profit because she was in property, consulting stuff, investment, whatever. Million dollar mailing. Now the question is, would you be prepared to handwrite a hundred sales letters? I don't know, to make a million dollars. I personally fucking wouldn't because I hate handwriting. <laughs> It'd be no point you doing it. No can't get read it. <laughs> no, exactly. But that's the question. Now, most people won't do this. It's not that they can't, it's that they won't. Anyone listening to this, all right, we're getting this isn't copywriting per se, although it's linked. Get yourself to compass.com, gb.compass.com with a K, compass with a K. Research 50 firms in your target market. And why I sort of saying research, I mean, they'll get the employee numbers, terms of business, timing business, their address, that kind of thing. Do a sanity check on LinkedIn and social media. Find out what the guy in charge or the girl in charge does, what they like to do. Write them a letter that touches on what they like to do. Include a magazine or a book that talks about what they like to do. Include a phone, 20 quid from Tesco, and say, I'm serious about what I'm saying. Call me. And it's got your number in it. Send out 50 of those. What's 20 times 50? A grand. It's a thousand pounds, yeah. About a thousand quid plus postage and stuff. If you don't get business from that, I'll be very fucking surprised. And you'll get more than a thousand quid's worth of business from it. How many people will have the courage to do that listening to this? What they will do instead is they will spend hours and hours and hours on, on social media writing shitty engagement posts and the time they're investing in doing that, say they're on 40 quid an hour, 20 hours, 25 hours, there's your thousand quid. In a week, you spent a thousand quid's worth of your own time probably on social media. And that is why John is an elite copywriter because to be elite at anything, you have to be able to understand the wider picture and where your particular skill set fits into that. I personally believe that only happens at mastery. It's very much like the Dunning Kruger curve. It's only when you become absolutely elite at something you can realize almost the, how unimportant it can be and how important it can be in certain scenarios. A little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing because it gives you a lot of confidence. As soon as someone learns a little bit about copywriting, enough to say run rings around someone who doesn't know anything, everything becomes a nail and copywriting is their hammer. And that is why John is a very, very good copywriter. Yeah, I've gone through that stage. I'm, now I'm at a point of what they would call unconscious competence, where everything I write in the business context is sales copy. I don't think about it. I'm just doing it, which is a great thing to do. Girls and boys, if you go to wellfedbusiness.com forward slash free dash training, me and John are doing a little live session all about the power of triage. Note, if you are not a business owner that has inquiries already, i.e. you're completely starting at the beginning, there's nothing of value for you here. John, why is triage the number one valuable skill someone can learn at this moment in time? This is why you have to be getting, if, not, if you're not getting any inquiries at all, it's a waste of your time because there's more fundamental problems. We can help you solve, but not with this training. Triage is predicated on the idea of a certain percentage of inquiries you get actually turn into business. Now, for most of us, that's probably, what, 10, 20%. The, the number's not important. I know one lady tried to tell me that 90% of inquiries go through to do business with her. I don't believe her. But okay, take it as being read. Maybe she's right. I don't know. I've got no evidence either way. But if that is the case, it's highly likely she's not charging enough. One sign that you're not charging enough is you are too busy. For me, about, say, my, take my mentoring specifically. 
probably eight out of 10 people who inquire about mentoring never go on to do anything, not even book a call. When I get an inquiry in, there's an 80% chance statistically that person I'm dealing with at that moment, there's an 80% chance it's going to go nowhere. So it's incumbent on me for my sanity and peace of mind and to save my time and money to get to the point where I can say no as early as I possibly can. So triage is predicated on answering three questions, which we'll share with you on the training. And if you answer those three questions, if every single answer is not yes, and it's got to be a very clear and unambiguous yes to the extent of your knowledge at that point, you stop. There's no maybes, no it could be, you stop dead. It's emotionally difficult to do, and you will sometimes turn good prospects away. But I'm telling you right now, you will save so much more time on the other side of things, and you will avoid taking on shitty clients, and I guarantee, all right, I know this from experience, 10, 20, 100 good clients don't really change your life that much. They're a minimum requirement for a good business, good clients. But one bad client, just one, can wreck your entire fucking life. They can keep you awake at night. They can damage your relationships at home because you're preoccupied and snappy. And they can indeed cause legal problems if they get in nasty. So it's far more important to avoid shitty clients than it is to get good ones. So that's what we're going to be teaching you how to do. And you will love it. I mean, if I could teach you, if I was only allowed to teach you one thing, triage would be it. That will change your life. For established businesses, this is for, because that's where we make the biggest difference. If you want to join us, it's wellfedbusiness.com forward slash free dash training. Sign up. It's very easy. There's a nice big red button for you to click. And then we'll email you your ticket with the details. You're in. And it's Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Yeah, date and time's important, isn't it? And if you can't attend it, we'll send you the fucking replay. <laughs> yeah, this coming Tuesday at one o'clock. Goodbye.